Well, this show's ruined. <laughs> this show's go. fucking done. Let's go. Just start it. Just Hello, start it. and welcome to our podcast. <laughs> Stupid show. <laughs> Hello, welcome. I do it, for real. Welcome. But it's- welcome. This is the new open. Welcome, welcome. Uh, hi, this is Chris. Uh, welcome, welcome, Chris. to Dopey Podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. How come our tagline is never, Welcome to Dopey Podcast, the dark comedy of drug addiction? Oh, because it's in the title? We should be saying it? I think the title maybe should be the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. I think it should be darkly comedic addiction tales. Tales. <laughs> Explain that, because that's a funny story. Uh, I, I don't even know where to start with that. Uh, so uh, we wrote a proposal for a book, and it was dopey, and then the subtitle was Darkly Comedic Addiction Tales. No, that's not the story. <laughs> it's not the whole story. No, the story was... I don't want to say, because it's mean to, to Ryan, because he added the tales, which I liked at first. The tales is the least of it, Yeah, in my in my opinion. How uh, you explain? Um, me and Chris... Well, Chris... I aspire to write. Chris actually writes... And we thought and they can real quick. They can check it out on the website. Yeah, we so, have all the writing up at www. Well, some of it, yeah, some of our writing. Well, isn't all three stories up there? Uh, no, we have two that are not. Uh, one that I wrote. Um, I don't. Is Ryan's we, up there though? One of Ryan's is up there. Okay, so there was the, the quickie of Ryan's wasn't up there, and your second one isn't up there. Yeah. But there are some stories, and that was the meat of this book proposal that Chris wanted to, uh, that we both wanted to make, and Chris really spearheaded and did a lot of work on. And then he needed a title for it, and uh, and we were like, and I said it should just be called, dope the dopey podcast the book, you know, yeah, and, and, and then on drugs addiction and dumb shit. That was my title, yeah. Dopey podcast the book on drugs addiction and dumb shit. And Chris thought it should be darkly comedic addiction yeah. stories, stories, yeah. And then graphic designer Ryan said. Who, 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 graphic designer Ryan put the proposal, like, we all, we wrote it, and Ryan contributed, and then he made it nice and pretty, like, in, like, a Not to mention, thing. Ryan, Ryan is very much a phantom member of the show, because he made the graphic, and the graphic is, is so good. Yeah. It's, like, the graphic, like, legitimizes And we us. didn't even tell him anything. I literally just, like, texted him and was like, hey, can you do a graphic? It's called Dopey. And then, like, 12 hours later, he had that. Was that right? Yeah. Is that the true story? Yeah. Well, it was. And you pick, you nitpick everything. You tend to nitpick stuff like creatively because, like, you you know, you have an interest and you have opinions. And I remember you didn't nitpick it at all. I was like, it's perfect. No, you <laughs> yeah. sent me two. You sent me one that wasn't oh, perfect. Yeah, it was the, it was the um, weird letters. It was the one was like softer. Yeah. And then the one that was the logo, and I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. And anybody you show it to, they're like, what a perfect logo. Yeah. So Ryan, good job, Ryan. I have to say, anyway. But but darkly comedic addiction tales not good Ryan, not good. Um, but um, Ryan doesn't listen anymore anyway. Yeah. But um, so I said the dark comedy of drug addiction, and uh, somehow that made it into um, onto our podcast page. But we never put on our pod. Not that this is interesting to start yeah. a drug podcast, by the way. You know, this is more interesting than a song. We had this whole fight just now that I wanted to play a song, and Chris said it's not good to start a drug podcast with a song. Should I explain is why? This, is this <laughs> good for a drug podcast? It is. Why? Can I explain why? Please. Well, because – well, I'll explain why you shouldn't start with a song. I'll start with that because I know you're a fan of that explanation. I think that if somebody's tuning in to a podcast on drugs for the first time, they either listen to the first episode or the most recent episode. And if they hit play and it's a guy playing a song, they'll be like, what the fuck is this? Instead of two guys talking. Yeah, talking about nothing. That's that's what they want. They do? That's <laughs> what they so. want? I All think right. so. Why don't you... Should I play the voicemail? Play Let's, the voicemail. All right. So we're going to start this episode with a voicemail. We usually kind of do it a little bit later. We do it late, usually. We do it late. This is a five-minute clip. Pretty fucking dopey, Dopey Nation. Very dopey. But this is, this is a guy named Tim from uh, Kensington, Pennsylvania. Can you say that? Yeah, he said to talk about Kensington. Okay. And supposedly, and, and like it was interesting though, before you even play it, we got two people, and the other voicemail was from there too. Really? The dude in the convenience store is in the same town. That's so weird. What's going on in Kensington? It's supposedly a lot of really bad stuff from what Tim wrote us about. Really? Yeah. Okay, should I play? Please. What's up, fellas? This is Tim from Philly. <clears throat> so I just got done listening to the, the, more, the most recent podcast. Uh, with that, with the kid from Lancaster, it's pretty funny. A little drawn out, but 
funny nonetheless. Um, I actually <clears throat> went to a rehab up in Lancaster. Uh, it's it's in the middle of nowhere, but there's a lot of a lot of junkies out there. Anyway, he he sh- he shouted out Kensington, and uh, you guys said that's probably a little town out in Lancaster. It, I don't know if you remember. Dave, but in my email, that's the place I was telling you about. That's like a complete shit show and, you know, hell on earth here. And that's that's where I'm at. It's actually in the, in the heart of Philadelphia, the city. So just so you know, if you ever go back out on a run, definitely need to come by and do some touring of Kensington. Anyway, uh, a funny story that I thought I'd share with you guys that came to my mind. Since I've been listening to you guys, man, uh, like story after story like every time you guys tell a story i'm just like oh yeah i forgot about that time i you know uh brought my (laughs) the hood and shot cocaine for an hour with him in the car um don't tell that story but um no a funny one was back in the early days and uh i've been i've been a pretty hardcore junkie for the last 15 years um been in the last two or three years kind of just dabbling with like uh suboxone and and some pills here and there but prior to that it was it was you know i had some stretches where i was in the in the in the pit but in the beginning when it was still fun when shooting coke was still fun (laughs) if there ever was a time uh chris man i know you you'll appreciate this one uh so so before I knew where to cop down here, because it's it's an open air drug market, but you 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 need to know what corners, and you you just don't come down here like, you know, a twenty one year old white kid that has no idea and expects you know good things to happen. So I uh, I found this guy at a gas station, this this old black guy, asking for money, and uh, sure enough, he knew the spots, and so we developed a beautiful relationship. I would come down. Um, pick him up and he would take me to get dope and he would take me to get coke and he had needles he had works everybody has works down here so it was very convenient and we had a lot of fun times me and reggie and uh so the one day i go to pick reggie up and he is standing with a an overweight middle-aged black woman and I pull over to let him in the car and he said yeah tim uh this is this is my friend cookie she's gonna roll with us she gives really good head and uh you know you should you should let cookie give you head <laughs> i'm just like i'm like no nah, reggie it's it's cool man i you know i got a girlfriend i'm i'm good on that he's like no nah, tim you re- i'm telling you she gives the best head i'm like reggie listen she can roll with us but i'm not paying her to suck my dick i'm sorry so they get in the car we go cop and, uh, you know, usually we would cop and go just like pull over and do the drugs. He would always smoke crack. Um, and you know, we would find different places, but this time he says, yeah, Tim, my, we can go to my mom's house to do it. And I said, all right. So we were, I mean, I'm telling you when you have to like, look at some videos or pictures again, when you, it, it is the hood, bro. Like it, it, we're talking like the badlands. And so we pull up to this house and we walk in and we go through the living room and, and there's this old black woman sitting in a chair staring at a television and we walk by and Reggie said, hey mom, and she doesn't even turn. The woman is completely like just senile or out of it. I don't even know if it was really his mom's house. But she didn't even look at us. We just walked right upstairs into the bathroom and uh, <clears throat> I, when I, I think back, actually this was probably one of the first times I shot Coke. It wasn't the first time, but it was probably you know, one of the top three. And so it was new to me. And you know, that, that, that rush and everything was still like, it was still pretty special. And so I, and I actually, I, I think I was, he was, he, I don't know why I feel like he was hitting me at that time. Maybe I hadn't figured that out yet either, but whatever. Um, we, you know, we, we go and I, I shoot, I, I get ready to shoot this bag of coke, and and the guy actually said to Reggie, he's like, yeah, this stuff is really good. It's like, you know, be careful with it, uh, yada yada. And they always say that, but you know, this stuff, it did look really nice. It was scaly, and it, it had just a strong odor. So, you know, but I put the normal amount in there and mix it up, and 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 the instant that I pushed the plunger in, and it started to rush through my bloodstream. I turned to Cookie and I'm like, all right, Cookie, let me see what you got. (laughs) 
like without even thinking, I, I went from, no, I have a girlfriend and I, I'm really not into some black overweight crack whore sucking my dick in a, in a crack house, but instantly that coke hit my bloodstream and I said, yeah, Cookie, let, let me see what you got. <laughs> and, you know, the rest is history. Um, not proud of that, uh, you know, but it's one of the funnier stories. Um, anyway, thought you guys might like it. Uh, keep doing what you guys are doing. I was excited to hear the podcast today and uh, I'll be in touch. I'll come, I'll think of another one that'll be a good one to tell. All right, fellas. All right, Tim. Thank you, Tim. What a crazy story that is. And we have another one from Tim that I haven't listened to yet. Gonna check that one out later. Yeah, maybe we'll play it next week. Yeah. A um, lot, of, lot of crazy feelings come up from that story. It's pretty wild. That's a true dopey story. Oh, yeah. That's why we had to do it quick, right off the rip. Well, I, I know your, your need to hit them with the dopey. What did I say when I, told, when, I, when I listened to that myself? What did I say to you? You didn't say it to me. You wrote it to him, and since we have a shared oh, yeah. thing, I just saw that it, it, it... I think you said it scratched an itch or something like that. And the, the fact is, like, I, I felt a craving when he was talking about, like, the strong odor and the look of the coke no, and for pushing you, it. I know after, you. No, it's right after you push it. Dude, I know you. The word that catches you every time, it's one word, it's scale. <laughs> when you hear scale and coke... In a similar sentence, you're done. Well, you know what? I always I talk about this in meetings. Am I wrong? No, you're right. It's true, but you know, I talk about this in meetings. You know what my favorite part of shooting coke was, and that was my main thing. Dopey Nation was shoot. I was a heroin addict and a low bottom alcoholic, but shooting coke was my drug of choice. My favorite part of of the whole thing was right after I shot the coke and I pulled the syringe out and I put my thumb where the hole was to stop the bleeding, and you had that like five seconds before it hit you and it was just knowing it's running through my blood not even you know four seconds three seconds and just just knowing that in a couple seconds i was gonna get dramatically rocked because like you shoot heroin and like you get really fucked up it's a big change but it's nothing on par with shooting coke you shoot coke and it's like i'm gonna die like it's just such a radical change in how you feel and it was like hoping it's hysterical that that's what you want no no i'm gonna (laughs) die feeling I, i don't why? What? I know, but the, but I share about it in meetings because I talk about how while it's coursing through my blood and I'm waiting for it to hit. It's not even the effects that through I like. Through your blood. Yes, through my blood. It's not even the effects that I like. It's like the hope that this drug is just gonna like alleviate the bondage of self. It's just gonna be the best experience that's gonna radically change how I feel and make everything better. That's I, what I like. That that was the, my favorite part. I think it's inter- you said a lot of stuff there that's interesting to me, and, and I think Tim's story hit me in ways that I haven't been hit in a long time. I mean, you and I do a drug podcast that we put out every week, yeah. and I don't really think about drugs very often. And this is like the, the, it's like one of the biggest focuses on my life is yeah. this drug podcast. But when Tim mentioned, I, I, I mean, what you just said brought up a bunch of things. Yeah. When, when it's like. I didn't. I shot coke. I shot a lot of coke, and I didn't like it. And I, but I, and I would shoot coke because I so craved the biggest contrast that I could get from when I did dope. I love dope so much. And what you talk about <laughs> made you appreciate the dope more. <laughs> yeah, it's like a hot tub next to a pool. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. When you get in that hot tub, when you get out of the pool, the hot tub is way. You get in the hot tub, then you get in the pool, and the pool's so cold. Yeah. and then you jump in the hot tub, and the hot tub's so relaxing and yeah. warm and perfect and it's hot and you just feel it and that's how i was that, that was even my thought every time i shot coke it was only so i can get obliterated on heroin and pills well you, you know what's weird though you're talking about that though what i enjoyed the most was the feeling wise the feeling of being drunk then the feeling of heroin, then the feeling of coke. But if you put all three in front of me, hold on, you I would choose do the coke. coke after the heroin. No, no, I always shoot coke first. I, right, and, so, and I just okay. and I just would shoot heroin four times a day because I had to. You know, I didn't even really get high off heroin. I actually went into to rehab once. I remember I went into rehab. It just took forever for them to do my intake. And she asked if I was a heroin addict, and I swear to God, I said no. And then I was like, well, not really. I was like. Well, I do heroin like four times a day. I was like, but I don't get high. And she's like, how long have you been doing that? I was like, I don't know, like a year. <laughs> and she's like, you're a heroin addict. And like, I just didn't even consider it because it was like, I did it to get well. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't catching a nod. I wasn't feeling anything. But, but I'm saying, even if I was clean though, 
even if I had shot and I could feel the effects of the heroin, in terms of likability, I liked feeling drunk. Then I liked the feeling of okay, heroin. Okay. Then I liked cocaine. But if you put them all in front of me, I would pick cocaine, then heroin, then booze in the opposite fashion. It was like it had – I think it's like the blood-brain barrier, how quickly it hits you. Like I just – it was more about impulsivity than it was about the enjoyment I, of I the I think facts. what you – the other thing that you said that I thought was really interesting was um, it's, it's what it's going to do for you. Like you, you do the coke first because you think – you're going to have this radical change in your consciousness. Like yeah. in my mind, Coke never, it never did anything good for me, for me, yeah. like my body and Coke, like I'm Coke. I feel coked out right now. <laughs> like my, I'm like fucking high on your Coke. Dave's neurotic. Yeah. yeah it's it's like, I'm, you're very neurotic too. I am. But I was talking to but a I book. didn't like it. I shoot Coke and I hear police sirens and I stare out the window and I vomit usually. Like that's, that's what happens. And I clutch my heart and I say, I think I did too much. I think I'm going to die. And then five minutes later, I'm like, all right, I think I can do another one. It's the <laughs> intensity that you, that you loved. I, I would think I was going to die. And I mean, like I remember my speedballing was I would do like one part meth or coke and then like four parts dope because I didn't really want to feel the up part. Wait, well, so you so funny. You were actually like my friend, the guy who was in the turkey story, this guy, Mike, we would go cop equal parts dope and heroin always. And we always split up the drugs where he would take like 70% of the heroin and I would take uh, 70% of the coke. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. It's funny. Um, oh, and that, that also brings me. Dude, you know what he used to do, Mike? Oh my God, I forgot about this. He used to shoot coke in the bathroom um, at this gas station. And I did this once, too, after he told me at the same place. But he would shoot coke in the bathroom. And uh, he said he'd get it all ready. And he'd stand at the door. And it was a bathroom with one of those keys, you know, with like a wooden spoon. And he said he'd be standing right at the bathroom door. Mm, like, a wooden spoon. Like a, like a key with like attached to a spoon so you couldn't like lose the key, you know? A wooden spoon. Yeah, like a device. It was like a spoon, right? Nice. I think it was a, I think it was a, maybe a dowel or something wooden, right? Something big and wooden. Yeah. So, anyways, he uh, he 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 told me that he would get it all ready, right? And then he'd bang. He'd be ready to leave the bathroom. And he'd bang the coke, and then he'd just pull the syringe out, throw it in the trash, and then he was going to get on the tea. It was in Boston, and he'd immediately right after he shot it he said they wouldn't even he just let it bleed and pull his sleeve down he'd run back and he'd hand the key to the attendant and he said every time he handed the key to the attendant his hand would start shaking because the coke would literally hit him the second he was giving the key to the attendant and you did it the same thing and the same thing happened (laughs) it's it's another funny thing to me um is like we do this podcast constantly and this is like the most dopey we've talked in in quite a while yeah and it like has this crazy effect on me it like, does. Yeah, you get a gleam in your eye. Well, it's like I, I really... Is it a gleam? A gleam. It's a gleam. Yeah. But when, when they talk in 12 Steps about a built-in forgetter, yeah. what exactly are they talking euphoric about? Euphoric recall. Well, it's interesting, No, actually. a built-in forgetter. It's what does same, that mean? It's the same as euphoric recall. So euphoric recall is the fancy term that basically say human beings have evolved to a degree to forget negative experiences and remember positive ones. Of course, there's trauma that lingers in your head, but that's an adaptive trait for most human beings. It's, it's a positive thing, but when you're an alcoholic, it can kill you because we forget that. The worst of it. We forget the bad shit. They said that it can kill us. Can you I tell you, I mean? my built-in forgetter just forgets everything. Like, <laughs> I, I don't remember shit. Like, and then when I think about it, it's like, I just, it's just so, it's so weird also to be in recovery, to get some distance from really hard drugs and then like have a podcast about drugs addiction and dumb shit and all of a sudden jump back in the soup and it's like so not like my life like today i woke up i um i built a lego hot dog stand with my daughter this is just a lego filled day for you then we went to the (laughs) lego batman movie she said daddy can we get a burger i was like sure i took her to wendy's we built like paper setups and then we went home and uh, we finished the hot dog stand and we chilled. We tried to play some video games, but that didn't work out. And then, like, her mom comes home and I was like, gotta go do dopey. And here we are talking about shooting cocaine for the whole night. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just such a crazy it contrast. Weird. It is a huge contrast. And, and, but and I don't think about it. And it's funny, you've told me this before that you're, like, you're kind of forgetting those parts of your life. You know, you're realizing that you forgot some of the specific stories. And it's the same here, you know. And I actually had someone tell me once that in terms of in the 12-step capacity that 
the really fresh people actually who are, have been sober for a year, two years, three years, you know, and just stopped. Um, they have something to offer the newcomer that some of like the old, old timers, even if they're really ensconced in the program, don't have something to offer because they do forget because they forget. And, and the people who are, you know, have less sobriety or they're still, you know, in relatively early sobriety, they still remember the obsession, you know, and being restless, irritable and discontent and how horrible it was when you've been clean and had a different life like you've had, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I know you don't have that much clean time, you know, it's like an old timer, but people, when you've been living the way you like the day that you described today for 25 years, the obsession is a distant fucking memory. Do you know what I mean? It's unless, but unless you quote unquote, keep it green, which is an expression I hate. But unless you and you go to meetings every day, or if you stop going to meetings, the obsession can return. Right. <laughs> but you can simulate uh, the obsession just by hearing it from new people. Like and the by the way, thanks, though, Tim. <laughs> a month ago, yeah, thanks, Tim. A month ago, though, we didn't we didn't talk about this, and I feel remiss. Chris got his three years. Oh yeah, yeah, February fifth. It's a huge fucking thing. Thank three you. years, and uh, I salute you. Thank and, you. Uh, and I love you, and I'm very proud of you. Well, thank you, Dave. Yeah, isn't that sweet? Yeah. You're supposed to say I love you, too. Love you, too, man. You're an asshole. Did I tell you I'm going on closed-circuit television on Tuesday? What, you can't handle this emotion? <laughs> you can't handle this emotional I'll thing? redirect. No, no, seriously. What? Can you sit with my love for you? I can. And, and what, is, what, does it make you, what does it make you feel like? I feel like that love should have been there when we recorded the first two takes of you this are <laughs> You are a loveless, <laughs> sociopathic cocksucker. Dopey Nation, we had to re-record the intro to this episode twice. Two times. That's because we had a disagreement, and then he does what he does. He's got problems. And, and then so I did what I do, and in the end, we all got it fixed out. And so the do you, you want... Don't do the wrong thing now. I'm not going to do the wrong thing, but I just want the nation to know, yes. for intrigue, that um, I've been recording several dopey outtakes. So we, I have these, and you know, maybe one time, one day down the road, a year from now, we'll have an episode that I'll have 15 minutes of just two or three minute outtakes where we argue and say, start it over, <laughs> start it over. Yeah, but you only take the outtakes where I, where I have the problem. Of course. <laughs> It's just such it's such bullshit. But the other thing before well, we so get I get to, the power, I get the laptop, and I have to. I had to delete Pink Floyd, guys. I had to delete Pink all my Pink Floyd songs to record your precious dopey. You're There's a one point five gigs of fool. Pink, Flo- Pink you're, Floyd. You're a fool. You're, all of your music is on streaming. I know, but it's I have. A, who cares what you have? I was actually thinking I could delete it all. No, but there is some weird. When I used to do the YouTube to MP3 converter. Like there's a bunch of fucking songs that's not available on app on like Apple Music and whatnot, like weird shit. Like what? Well, stuff you wouldn't like anyway. Like what? <laughs> like like Flesh and Bones first <laughs> record and and like whatever techno air music you listen to. The space ambience. I'm surprised that like that like Pink Floyd is so high on your. Uh, I love Pink Floyd. What do you talk to me? Um, my favorite album is actually The Division Bell. Yeah, that that says it all. That's Which just, is not a very good album. No, and that's your favorite one. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it says so it I, all. I recognize that. You know, I, I have an eclectic taste in music. I don't deny it. But it, I will say, Dave turned me on to a silent way. Um, in a silent. In way. a silent way, the Miles Davis uh, album, and I have the extended three and a half hour one. It's fucking great. It's really good. Dopey Nation. If you get anything from this show, listen to Miles Davis in a silent way. It is the most beautiful record ever made. It feels like every drug you've ever done simultaneously. But it's like this meditation. It's two songs. The first one's called Shh, Peaceful. And the second one is called It's About That Time in a Silent Way. And uh, it's like three keyboards, a Rhodes, a, 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 a organ, I think a piano, an upright bass. Tony Williams plays drums. It's, it's fucking very good. Joe Zawinul, Herbie Hancock, Chick Corea. Uh, John McLaughlin. It's a really good record, and it's quick. It's like a forty-five minute record. You're not going to get my half down. hour one. Yeah, and I can't imagine that's as good as the forty-five minutes. Yeah, now I want a forty-five minute one. The forty-five minute one well, is all the, this is music the stuff. talk. Why don't you play your song now? No, why not? No, I'm not going to. You're being a prima donna. No, I just didn't want it. To, that's why I wanted to get out of the way. I didn't want it to be a whole thing. Oh, you're not feeling it right now. No, I wanted to talk more about Tim's voicemail before we do, and I also want to talk about your closed circuit TV thing, and then I'll play a song. Okay. Um. The other thing that I have a couple of speaking engagements on the agenda. Why don't we do that first then? Well, we just I said was closed circuit TV and then some opioid thing. Speaking, what is that? <laughs> opioid thing. I'm speaking with two people that work for I don't know. 
I probably should know they are something in the government for Boston and then an ER doctor and a first responder and a nurse. That's the panel. And they said, I'm going to go first and lead it. About, wait, what's the topic? <laughs> the opioid crisis. The opioid crisis. You know, my father took me aside the other day. The pandemic. <laughs> he says, he says, David, do you know that they just figured out that this month and the first time ever that more people are going to die from opiate overdoses than uh, gunshots? Hmm. And I said, uh, he said, that's really bad, David. And you have a podcast about drugs. How are you going to ride this epidemic to success? No, he did. He did. <laughs> he said, how are you going to make this so work? Funny. He said, if all these people are getting high on opiates and your podcast is mostly about opiates, why aren't you getting a bigger audience? That's wild. And then he said, and my dad's sweet. You know, he had best intentions, whatever. Yeah. Then he said that we should help the addicts out there by telling them that they might die from getting high. Well, they might. And, and if I, they don't know that, you're in retarded. That's what I said to my dad. I said, I said, a drug addict knows that they might die, but they just don't think it's going to happen. Exactly. And he said, well, what, what if they don't know what they get? I said, dad, all drug addicts just hope it's a little too strong. Yeah. Or, or really too strong, but they can handle it. Yeah. Because you don't imagine some, as a drug addict, as, as a heroin addict who yeah. shoots dope, you you can't imagine that you're going to catch some fire that's going to kill you. Yeah. You hope you do, and you hope you just, like, <laughs> you, you catch it quick. Yeah. And you don't die. Exactly. Although I do remember years and years and years ago, um, probably the year that 9-11 happened, that it was New Year's Eve, and I probably had a couple bundles, and I was shooting, like, 11 bags at a time or something, or, or more. And I was shooting whatever I could. Like, my yeah. shots were big and black. Yeah. And I was just... <laughs> and I was just hoping that um, that I, I was hoping that I wouldn't wake up the next day because it was life was just bad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, I, and it's not like I was suicidal. It was just too many problems. It would have been a bonus to get really high and not have to worry about a goddamn thing the next day. Yeah. I mean, does that that sounds pretty? That's epic. very dark. Yeah. Yeah. It's very yeah. very dark. But what a horrible thing that would have been. Tell me about those big black shots. They were like 12 inches long and yay thick. They could do some damage. Uh, no, they were, I would, they were, you know what big black shots look yeah. like, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, you just reminded me. I, but I shot meth, all right? Like, you can put basically as much meth as you can fit in the syringe. And um, I would shoot it where it was like pretty thick. There was a guy, uh, he told me in jail, and I, this guy was not a bullshitter. You know, I'm a pretty good read when, people's li- when people are lying. He said his, he shot. He's done shots of meth that were over a gram, and he said it was like maple syrup, where if you turned it upside down, the bubble would take like 10 seconds to rise to the top. I never said that. That's how thick it was. He said he literally had to push hard. It was like squirting. I always want to talk about that. How about, does this, I mean, I don't know if this happened to you. This happened to me a million times, where I like have two or three needles, and they're old. And like, and I'm drawing up. I liked old needles. I'm drawing up. I was a fan of old needles. I'm drawing up old shots. I mean, long, big, big, thick shots. And they would get stuck as I'm shooting it. Do you know how often that happens Do you know what I would do when it would get stuck? Sometimes it would happen is it would get stuck. Let's say you... Let's say you were doing like a first, I don't know why, but let's say you were shooting like 60 units, 70s, a lot, right? And so it, sometimes it, for me, it would get stuck at 30 and it couldn't go past 30, but I could back it up to 70. Yes. So what I would do is I'd back it up to 70, push it to 30, yes. back it up yes. to 70. Yes. Because I just, I felt like my blood kept on Because you're recycling it, it and, you're, and you're diluting it until it's all blood. Yeah. But still you want that last blood. So then I would burn it and hope that it would burn the thickness out of the end of the needle and then, like, I would squirtle. Because I've seen in movies, they would burn it and yeah. do that. And then you squirt a little bit. And then I'm scared I'm going to lose it yeah. all. So I'd put it in my mouth when I would do that. <laughs> Your blood. <laughs> I would just put the needle in my mouth so I didn't lose oh, a drop. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, this. And sometimes it's good if you added a little water to it. That oh, yeah. That'll yeah. thin it up. Yeah. But, but when the needle itself is backed up, you're fucking fucked. Oh, it's over. What a bad feeling, though. And then, like, Dude, it, how so about many- when you fucking. I've had that happen and I couldn't unjam it. Yeah. And then I break the whole fucking shit off. Yeah. Like I just rip the whole needle off the top of the syringe. Yeah. So it's a big hole. I shoot it back in the spoon. I use the next needle. I draw up my blood yeah. mixed <laughs> with the fucking dope. And I shoot. And then that happened like over and over. Yeah, that I never happened to I, you? Oh, of course not to me. And I always wonder, like sometimes that would happen 
and it would be like 30 minutes have passed and I'm still fucking with and I'm scared the blood's blood. gonna congeal yeah I'm like the blood's like has to be bad it's like clotted <laughs> I, I'm like yeah and we're thinking about clotting time with these idiot junkies I'm like wondering how I can get back to watch 90210 and my blood is clotting on the table oh my gosh it's so fucking bad That's, right it's really really bad stuff yeah I forgot about that and then and then like forget wishing I wouldn't wake up you know like because that's a horrible thought but like in that apartment that was my cheap apartment on 24th street Uh and um and when i finally went to treatment my father went to clean it out and that place was wall to wall spurts of blood on the wall and stuff needles everywhere Uh, he saw it he cleaned it up. Oh my god, that would that'd be traumatic. My sister found syringes huh. once. That's the only person that ever found Dad, it. Dad, I'm so sorry that I did that. Yeah. So sorry. And Dopey Nation, I'm sorry to you guys too. You know what I always do when I go to uh, public school? Public school. My go dad's to gonna hate this episode. Oh, he's gonna listen too. He listens. Yeah. Hi, Alan. I'm um, so sorry, Dad. That's good. Actually, I forgot he listens. Well, it's good you apologize. You know. I can tell you in his face that Dave's affected right now. You know, um, I'm on my ninth step. Or am I my... Have you done your list? So you're, yeah. in, you're in your eighth step. I did my list. So you're ready to go. Yeah. I'm yeah. On my, how is that for you? Ninth step? Yeah. That's uh, good. I've probably done... I mean, I, I've been through the steps twice in sobriety now, but uh, my ninth step, I'm still on the first like round. How I'm many like, people do you half, have on the list? Half of them, like, like 30. Done half. I've done the big one. I have six. That's fine. I mean, all the, some of the other ones are stupid. I mean, all, all they're not stupid, but all the rest of them. I did one actually. I did a one on the phone. I couldn't do, and I did it outside, waiting for you to get back from work before I did dopey ones. You should make an amends, me. You know, I, I can't because I. You have to make the amends, and be willing to correct it. And I'm not willing to correct whatever. The amends is for. You were, yes, you, you are. Right yes, yeah. I mean, no. You should make an amend to me for offering me drugs when I was sober. It was LSD and heroin. You said, <laughs> you know, where I could get some dope because that's what I really want. Let's trip out and get some dope. I didn't say let's get. Some- yes, you did. <laughs> you said you went and you and I could hear your crazy eyes rolling around in your head through the phone. You're like, hey, Dave. I'm like, hey, man, what's up? You're like, I just got some LSD. You want to take some? And I was like, no, I don't think so, man. And you were like, how about some dope then? I know that's what you want. You want that dope, right? <laughs> I was like, well, no thanks. Well, what can I do to fix it? I want a formal amend. That's what I'm asking you. I just, you know, apologize, man. What do you do? I don't apologize. <laughs> I try never to say sorry. Okay. And I usually um, would take ownership. I, I never blame it on drugs or alcohol. Yeah, so, so yeah, I'll yeah, be like, this is could be a it's good it's a good learning thing for me. If well, you, okay, if so, you make an amend right, to me right, and so I can see what it's amend, like. So if you're making an amend to someone, call them, schedule right. it. Well, here we are. Well, I'm no, I'm going to speak abstractly. No, I want, and no. then we'll get specific. Okay, okay. Um, call them. Yes. Um, schedule a time schedule to meet. Schedule a time to meet with them. Yes. Let them know what it's for. Meet in person when possible. Let them know what it's for. Let them know what it's for. You like when them, I have to make an amend to my sister. Know, you can let them know it's an amend. You know? I have to make an amend to my sister, so I have to say... Oh, well. Yeah. That's we'll bad. get it, yeah. Um, I have you to say... You didn't say it. You said look. No, I said yeah. it. You have to get rid of that. Um, I have to say, um, whatever your name is, I need to meet you to make my formal amend. I have to say that. Or I can't just say, can we get together and have some coffee? Well, if she'll definitely meet with you, you could you could do that. But, I mean, I wouldn't want to blindside her. You might want to let her know what it's for. This is also, first of all, first and foremost, talk to your sponsor and do it the way your sponsor says to do it. He said I can't do it on the phone with Yeah, her. don't do it on the phone um, when possible. Do it in person. You know, Obviously, don't do it if it's going to hurt the person. Um, and then I specifically try to avoid um, saying sorry or I apologize, I, which is very hard. I almost always end up doing it anyways. And I um, try to focus. I don't blame it on the alcoholism ever. I won't be like, I did this because I was drunk. I, I might say something like, you know, I was selfish and whatever it was. You know, if I stole something or if I wasn't there, I'll say I was selfish and, you know, um, I chose to pursue something else instead. And it could even be like uh, I, I didn't take like, you know, I, I, I should have taken my recovery seriously and it wasn't important to me and like all that all that mattered. You know, That's confusing to me though because you're making an amend – and I haven't done it, so yeah. I'm just actually confused about it. You're making the amend to amend behavior that you practiced when you were 
addicted. Yeah, but I, I just I so just, why blame it on being a selfish person? Because I don't. Like, I think it's a cop out to just blame it on a disease. I, I, I like I'm to, not saying you can blame it on a disease, but you can say no. You, I, I really wasn't in my right mind. No, then. I, I was not, not using the better part of my brain or my soul. I think you will naturally do that. And the reason I'm even saying that I I go in saying I'm not going to do that at all because I'll end up doing that. If I don't like have that mindset, I'll end up putting it I'll feel uncomfortable and I'll put it I'll put too much of the onus on the disease of alcoholism and less on the fact that like I just was succumbing to it. You know what I mean? When I had you have control. Like you can choose recovery and I wasn't choosing recovery. And like that's But you always say the other thing. The other thing that you always say that I really like is when you're in the middle of using, you lose your your control. You lose your choice. It's only when you have yeah. a day and that's that true. you and can that, make and, the and choice. And that's true. And how many times did I have a chance to stop? How many times was I in detox or rehab where I was stopped and I chose not to do... You know what I mean? There's something that precipitated that always. You know what I mean? If you want to go back... I agree with that, that once you're in it, you're in it. But then it's like, I had a th- a 20 fucking times to stop and I didn't, you know? So that's what I'm talking about. But any, I, I just choose to be self-effacing. And this is more... From just like, you know, what my sponsor said and stuff. And I always end up adding it. I always end up blame, I always end up saying sorry and blaming it on alcoholism to a degree. I just try to go in not like that, you know? Uh, and then I, mo- most importantly, I ask, what can I do to right the wrong? And I say, if you, if you can't think of anything right now, take some time and like, be willing to do whatever it is. Right. Yeah. I mean, my amends are like, they're, it's, shit is so far in the past. And like, and I've made a million informal amends to every person I have to make a formal amend to. Yeah. But but I have to do it just because I have, to, you know, it's part of this thing. And I desperately, I've never worked all twelve steps, and I'm excited to do it and see what the hell happens. You know. Yeah. It's gonna be good stuff, man. I think I'm gonna sprout wings. Fly. Um, do we have to talk to Ray? Um. Yeah, that would be fine. But I wanted to talk more about more stuff first. Um. One thing that I always think about with dopey and stuff is like oh first of all though i want to get this out of the way dopey nation i made a video it took me four weeks to make this fucking video uh, i don't know how you can even find it it's on our facebook page mm-hmm. uh what do you think mm-hmm. no, you I'm love saying, the video I know, i'm not i'm saying like listening <laughs> you love tell them how much you like i them. love the video is great it is better as it goes too. I think. Yeah, it's much better as it goes, and it took me. I wish it was to a better episode. I'm not. I'm not sold on the first episode. It's good episode. You it like took... the first episode? Yes, I, I do. Okay. I like the first episode. I love the video. It bores a lot of people, but I put so much time in it. I think 50 people have seen it, yeah. and like 1,500 people listen to the episode. So fucking 100 of you just go to the YouTube page. And... Why not 1,400? I have my low expectations. That's the <laughs> nature of my life. It's all about managing expectations. Yeah, go to YouTube, subscribe, like the video, write us a review on iTunes. One, two, three. Or one, Join two. our Instagram, do something, write an email. Um, Sorry to the emails we haven't gotten to yet. Yeah, we're getting more emails than we than I ever expected us getting. Yeah. And and the other thing that just happened is we just broke 100,000 downloads. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. Are you okay, by the way? Yeah, I'm fine. Do you don't, you don't look a there. little bit deluded. It drives me nuts when you ask me that. Well, I, mean, I just try to snap you, you out of your You know what Dave funk. does? He, whenever we're, we're texting, he'll every once in a while just say, are you okay? And it's just a way... To, to wake you up, to piss me off, just to wait, and then, and then and they come back. And into then what it. I tell Dave is, whatever Dave's like, oh, this is, I, I think the downloads are dipping. I always just say, we're doing great! Exclamation point. Well, you do that for yourself too. Yeah. You totally do that. But I, I, but I know that um, sometimes I'll talk to Chris on the phone, and he'll be like texting at, while I'm talking to him. And you, you, actually, Dave can tell when I'm texting and talking to him. Quicker than anybody. He knows instantly when I'm not paying, giving him the, the undivided attention. So it's like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. And then he gets so mad that he stops texting. So that works out. Yeah. Um, the other thing that Tim brought up, which I love, <laughs> is um, the homeless guy. You know, like, if you want to restart your habit, go to a ghetto. Oh, it's so funny. Because you know how many... I don't remember the guy's name. I remember Cookie. What was the homeless guy's name in this story? Reggie. Reggie. I had so many Reggies. There were oh, yeah. a lot of <laughs> so many, and they were beautiful, wonderful people that I hope are doing well right now. You know, uh, the, the, like really good guys. You know what I mean? Like some of them, like a lot of. I mean, I got burned a bunch. You know, my middleman and stuff. But also some who were like honest and genuine, who like hung out, got high with, and just laughed. You know, 
dude, I can tell that Eastside Crackhead would have been a dude like that, you know? He would have been like a good middleman guy. But all of us, it's like you have to catch each other on the right day, like without oh, getting burned. Oh, yeah, and then you get just yeah, so it happens. It could be that your bestest bud you've been kicking with for like a month, and then, you know, funds get a little tight, you start to get a little sick, and then there's some transaction, and you never see each other ever again. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it happens all the time. Yeah. I, I remember I, I was clean. Like, uh, I was off heroin for, like, almost a year, and I moved to Los Angeles, and I started with meth with Todd, and uh, I'm working on a set, and, like, somehow the shoot was in downtown L.A., and I'm standing there smoking cigarettes on the street, and this old man comes up to me, and he goes, hey, buddy, uh, you think you can give me a cigarette? And I said, if you can tell me where I can get heroin, I'll give you three cigarettes. I said, yeah, across the street. (laughs) And that was it. You know what I mean? It happened to be a block away from an open-air drug market. But that's it. You know, it's like I used to hang out with this guy, this 50-year-old guy named Lee uh, from the Methadone Clinic where every day he would – and he was like 55-year-old Puerto Rican guy from Brooklyn. He couldn't be from a more different kind of walk of life than me. We hung out all day, every day, for months, until one day, one of us didn't show up, and that was that. Yeah. Or, like, I checked in. That, with, with my, my course. Check in to detox? I would be checking in twice a year, every yeah. year. And it would be because, what you said, I'd be shooting dope all day and I wouldn't be getting high. And it's like, I can't be paying for this maintenance. <laughs> I got to get out of this thing. Yeah. And it wouldn't be for a break. I'd actually want to give it up. Yeah. But I couldn't. And it made me think of this other story. There was this guy, his name was Danny. He was this very odd Chinese guy. He was tall, he had long black hair, and he would he wore really like funky modern clothes and he had this crazy weird Chinese accent. And he would when I had a drug dealer living at my house, Tony Maloney, he would cop at the house and I became friendly with him, okay? And then he's like I was like I was getting sick and he goes, Oh no 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 Dave. I I I don't know I don't know where you can get dope. I was like, dude, I'm sick. He goes, oh, you want methadone? I was like, yeah, that'd be great. He goes, oh, come on, come come, come. He's stuttering. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, come, 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 come down to my apartment, uh, Essex Street. And he gave me the address. And I go down to his apartment. It's an old tenement. Yeah. You walk up three flights of stairs. The apartment was so fucked up. Yeah. Like garbage bags for doors for the, <laughs> for the bedrooms. Like books everywhere. Yeah. It was like, and Danny was like this total fuck up Chinese junkie yeah <coughs> he'd be like oh okay yeah. and he'd be like that's how he talks yeah always yeah. oh yeah so yeah you, you want methadone okay okay yeah. and he'd open up the fridge and you know like the fruit and the vegetable yeah. drawer full of of methadone and not bottles literally full of methadone this much methadone in each drawer, <laughs> like a fucking two shoe boxes loose methadone. Have I guess his sister worked at a methadone clinic, <laughs> and he'd have this big turkey baster syringe with a tube coming off of it, mm-hmm. and he would be like, "Oh yeah, how much you want?" Yeah. And, and he'd and he'd get, he'd always give me a good deal, and he'd make yeah. up this whole thing, and then he'd be like, "Oh Dave, uh, you ever smoke crack?" And I was like. <laughs> No, he goes, oh, you like it, you like it. And, and he, he sits me down at the table and he pulls out this crack. He goes, yeah, th- this crack. And I went, all right. You know, and yeah. I sat with him and I smoked the crack. And I was just like, right, this stuff's overrated. <laughs> you know, and the crack just, I it did, I was just like, I, I, crack wasn't for me. I think I'm just cracked out. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and that makes me think of that thing that you said. What? The thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dave and I were talking about how um, I was saying that people generally, and this is, I've heard this before, and I wouldn't say this is, you know, like universally true, but people like to, their drug of choice is the opposite of what their personality is or their temperament. So if somebody's like really laid back, they might like to do like stimulants and uppers, whereas if somebody is like high strung, they like to go down. Basically, that's because there's the greatest effect. Like the drug has a stronger effect because it's like take, it's like, you know, transitioning how they feel so much. Um, and then Dave was, what did you say? Well, you said that people tend to take the drug. That's the opposite of their temperament. Right. And I said that people look like their drugs <laughs> the way they look like their dogs. Which doesn't really, yeah, which doesn't really match the temperament thing, but I also think that's true too. Because like, if you meet me now, I look like a stoner. You know what I mean? Like people always just think I'm smoking weed all the time. Yeah. Um, 
I just want to amend that story fucking years later, 10 years later, I'm living in Danny's neighborhood, okay, where I lived, in the Lower East Side, where we started to record Dopey. (coughs) 10 years later, 15 years later, and I'm in the supermarket, and I look, and it's Danny. I went, Danny? He's like, hey, Dave, how you doing? (laughs) And he had moved into a nursing home. He was like my age. He moved into an apartment in a Chinese nursing home down the street. And he said, oh, you got clean, you got clean. And I was like, yeah, and blah, blah, blah. I was like, he was like, oh, I got some oxygen. You want some? And I was like, okay. And he just pulls out one of those fucking eight milligram orange suboxin hexagons. Oh, the old ones, yeah. And he, he's like, yeah, you take it, you take it. Yeah. And, I, and I put it in my drawer. It sat in my drawer for like a year. I think I gave it to Todd yeah. on some weird <laughs> random day. But uh, Danny was just, I'd see him all the time. He's still kicking it? Yeah, he lives in some nursing home, his mother's apartment. That's funny, dude. Isn't it? It is funny. Just the people that we partner up with. I, I told the story about the professor, right? Yeah. That, I mean, funny. that was the best. Was dude. Really the 70-year-old photo and professor And then you knew his son or something, right? Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. but, but just wandering the city with him, it's just the mismatched, you know, the odd couple of the drug addiction scene. Like, I would love to see some show... Like, with these mismatches, like, you and, like, whoever. Yeah. The first time I smoked crack was in New York. <coughs> and I grew up in Boston, and I was 15, and I went to a wedding. And after the wedding, I was walking around in, in a suit, and um, there was a guy in a telephone booth, and he was I saw the flick of the, the Bic, and I thought I didn't know anything about crack. I thought he was smoking, like, a one-hitter, you know? Yeah. And I was like, hey, I was like, let me, I was like drunk, you know, I was with my friends, like, let me get a hit of that. And the guy like stops, you know, uh, like a pretty tough looking dude. He like looks at me and he was like kind of angry. He like looks at my suit and he's like, all right. <laughs> and, he goes, and then he knew as soon as I hit it, I was like, let me get more, you know. And then we walked around Harlem, you know, buying crack in a suit, we walked up to Harlem and for the rest of the night. And <laughs> those guys love us. Yeah. You know, like I, like they love a, a white guy with money. That, and then you know how that ended that night? What? Is I bought a bunch of crack and, he, you know, he basically took like you know, 50% of everything we bought. We smoked at the time. And the whole time I was like, I just want something to go home with. And so I had 120 to go home. We probably cleaned up my bank. I was 15. Probably had like 300 bucks. You know, cleaned it out. You're 15 years old. Yeah. And so I probably had, I had 120, you know, and I'd spent 300 bucks with them. And, you know, this is back on those little old, like, um, rectangular Nokia phones, you know. And uh, so he, I went home with that 20. And then I remember him leaving multiple voicemails threatening me for the 20 rock. <laughs> <laughs> that night, like he was gone, we went our separate ways, and I was like, "I need something for the road." He was like, "You know," he was like, "Cool with that," even though like I'd given. And as him soon some, as he was, as done. soon as he was done, right. he was like, "I need more," you know, and he starts threatening me for the twenty that you know I left with an hour ago. That's too funny. Yeah, we should call right now. All right, you, you're calling. Mm-hmm. Right, let's just do it. This episode's going to go long. Yeah, um, this is um, this is a woman that Dave knows from AA, and I actually knew her from when I used to work in the treatment industry in Brooklyn. And I don't know what she's going to talk about. Which I agree there, yeah. Maybe she's not going to answer. Hi. Hey, Ray. Hi. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you sound great. Chris, you're not going to say hi? Hey, Ray. It's Chris. Hi, Chris. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good. So where have you been recently? I feel like your travels take you all over the world. Uh, they do. I, I, well, I've been back about a month. I was in Europe. I was in Florence and Spain a little bit and Germany. Nice. Awesome. So we're recording right now and it's a very, very drug fueled episode (laughs) of Dopey. It's not one of our more recovery centric. So I think it's a good one for you to jump in with your most debaucherous, debaucherous. Ray's got a, you've got how many years you have? You have a million years, right? No. Day at a time, my friend. Crazy, <laughs> crazy pops up all the time, right? Oh yeah, the, it's yeah. the nature of the drug addict. Even even in recovery. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and we're, yeah, it, it's yeah. worse in recovery because we're aware of it, and then we still engage in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
it's like the internal drugstore. Our brain needs some kind of endorphin slash drama kick, you know? <laughs> yep. And then you have, the, but then the regret, it's like, why would I have done that if I'm sober? <laughs> why would I think so crazy if I have my shit together, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, but the longer you're sober, the the more you realize all your symptoms, you know, come out in various forms. Right. So would, yeah. would, would you do us the honor of telling us a crazy story? Okay. Um, just a crazy story. You mean uh, and my own personal craziness? That would be good. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Well... I don't, I mean, maybe you should ask me a more specific question. There's so many crazy stories. Ray, what was um, your, um, what was your thing? Was it alcohol, drugs? What was your drug of choice? Uh, my drug of choice sort of changed, but I guess I would say in the beginning it was ecstasy and cocaine. Then it went to heroin and pills and, um, alcohol was always present, but I, I sort of had this self-destruction mode from, very early on, even before I started using anything, I was a cutter and um, always trying to fantasize my way out of life or different situations. Of course. Um, and I had a very active uh, brain, so I could literally black out even before I started using, which I thought was kind of uh, my connection to my higher power that if I could black out that, you know, I had a, a powerful sort of force. And when I first started using drugs, it just felt like the answer. So I guess I don't know what the craziest story was, but when you said that it made me think of, you know, all the trying to cop drugs in Tijuana, <laughs> which was sort of towards the bottom of my using. Um, I used to drive to the edge of the border of San Diego and then walk across and, you know, go to all the pharmacias and just put loads of pills, um, into my, you know, whatever satchel or backpack I had and, um, drink, you know, they had like $4 pitchers of margaritas all day, just drink copious amounts of that while, while getting as many pills and everything as I could into my bag and uh, there was always a huge line to go back across the border from Tijuana to San Diego. And one day it was, I don't know, it was just horrendously, there was like a 15-hour wait to get across. So my idea was that I would rent a bicycle. And um, there was another girl on a bicycle, and we were completely wasted and probably wearing short shorts and bikini tops and defiant I was very defiant when I was loaded and uh, just thought that you know nothing could could touch me so I I got a, I got this bicycle I think for four dollars on one side of the border and just drove it across with all my drugs while the Mexicans <laughs> are like calling me you know a lesbian and screaming to me trying to chase me down. But I made, but I made it back across the border to San Diego, and with all my stash. I mean, that's one of the. That's, I mean, that's the light, light version of how it all went down. But Mex, I, I got into a lot of trouble in Mexico, and I also tried to lose a lot of things there, like leave my car in the parking lot running with the keys in the ignition, and go back across the border to San Diego, report the car stolen, <laughs> and then did that work? Uh, no, because I, well, I, I, I reported it stolen, and then three days later, this officer calls me, and he says, good news, we found your car, and the only thing that's missing from it is a tire iron, <laughs> and I thought, fuck. <laughs> you know? Somebody got murdered in, in Mexico with your tire iron. <laughs> That's great. Wait, I just want to say, uh, for like, the, for I don't want the car, but thanks. <laughs> um, for the dopey nation that's not from California or particularly Southern California, one of the things that they always caution drug addicts is never go to Tijuana because something bad could happen. <laughs> no, we used to do that. We would drive. We would drive to whatever that town in California was. Me and Todd, and we would walk to Tijuana 
and we would we we wound up filling our pocket from the pharmacy is filling our pockets and Todd was so stupid he taped it to his thigh rather than just putting it in his pocket and like somehow it started to fall like the sweat <laughs> had the bag falling from his thigh and it was just dumb nothing happened but like another time Todd went to jail when he was down there like it was crazy crazy story it's not good but I remember Ray Ray was um the AA meeting that I used to go to but I moved uh. Ray was like one of the big pillars of the meeting, and yeah. she she had a lot of time and always had really good stuff to say. It was always good to hear you talk in there. Uh, but I remember one time when you qualified, you talked about uh, that you were handcuffed or something in the East Village, and you wound up on the street with handcuffs. Is am I remembering this right? <laughs> yes, except for it was the West Village. But good, good recall. <laughs> Impressive. Thank you. <laughs> what was tell us that story? Well, I guess the last year of my drinking, if I didn't have drugs, I, like most of us, was a complete blackout, you know, crazy mess and always in trouble with the law and could never find anything. And so my thought process was when I drink, I'm just going to handcuff myself to the radiator in my apartment (laughs) because then I won't wander around and get into trouble. So I bought some handcuffs and, you know, I started my night out, you know, the way I typically do and started drinking and and maybe a bottle in, I handcuffed my arm to the radiator and (laughs) I think at some point I ran out of pot and I ran out of everything I needed to, you know, continue going and... So I unhooked myself from it, but I had one handcuff on my arm and, of course, was in a blackout at this point, wandering around the West Village. And um, I I don't know if I got arrested that night, but I just remember one handcuff on my arm and people the next day (laughs) just couldn't figure out what the hell I was what the problem was i think i said something like yeah i I was in a great you know had some great sex last night and i lost the keys (laughs) yeah i'm I'm just the lead singer in an snm punk rock band it's no big thing (laughs) yeah exactly um and i could never find the key again so i had to eventually go to the 10th street precinct to get the handcuff taken off i'm sure they love that i'm sure they love that (laughs) So it just always trying to backpedal, but never really, you know, think my, my thought process in the end was just, what can I do to sort of make myself safe, but no way am I quitting using, forget it. Of course. Yeah. yeah. What was it that finally pushed you over to uh, sobriety? Um, well, actually I, um, the last night that I drank and used was no more or less than any any other night. Um, but the next day when I woke up, I knew something was was going on with me, and I had uh, I don't know if I don't even know exactly the dimension of what wet brain is, but I was losing my mind, and I had all these rapid thoughts of what was gonna what was what was happening in the moment and how I needed to get out of it and. I felt like I was losing my mind. So the final thought, basically, like all New Yorkers is, the ta- you know, the problem with me is this fucking city. That's why I'm so fucked up. Right. <laughs> and so I told my friend that, and we got into a car and went out of the city somewhere and pulled over at a, a Bloomingdale's, and I, um, I couldn't make it to the bathroom. I knew I was going to be viciously sick, and I also knew that I was losing my mind. And there was a ladies' lounge outside of the uh, bathroom, and I just laid down on the couch. And um, my friend was right there with me, and uh, we didn't even have cell phones then, but he said, I'm going to go call the emergency room or call the paramedics because your eyes are rolling back in your head. And I just said, you know, hold my hand because I knew that I was going in a, in a different direction. And I, ha- I ended up flatlining on that couch. Wow. And I, I woke up six days later in Beth Israel. Um, back in the city? Of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they pull you right um, back in. 
Yeah, and then there's this doctor standing at the foot of my bed saying, I can't believe you're alive. And I was in there for about 60 days, wow, completely wow. just out of my mind. I didn't even know that I was getting sober. Hmm. And, um, and then, of course, I just went straight into AA and had no fucking idea what this journey was about at all, nor did I want it. I was also pissed that I survived. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of... That's kind of how the journey started, which it probably had to come to that point because I would have not electively made this decision to get clean. I just had no desire. Of course, it'd be forced into it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's yeah. I remember. I remember that Bloomingdale story too from from when you qualified. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for for coming on. That was awesome stuff. We're gonna. I'd like uh, to have you back for longer. We kind of went for a bit, so I mean, if you're willing, yeah, totally. tell some more stories again. Totally, anytime. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'll definitely do that. And um, what would you recommend to somebody who's struggling right now? Because we have tons of people that are just getting high willy-nilly listening to the show. Right. I would just say, you know, we all convince ourselves that it's good, that it's what we like, that it that it makes us exist. It's like our breath. But it's just such a phony fairy tale. And right. You know, I, I always think and tell my clients this. It's, it's 2017, man. How long do you really want to keep lying to yourself? Yeah. You know? What if they started what? using in 2016? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's even better. Right. It's, it's If you have one moment of clarity and think that your life could be better, um, you know, or even you're not even sure if your life could be better, it, it definitely can because... You know, most of us are just slaves to our drug addiction, and we will do anything to get loaded. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a really pathetic existence that ends up in you know very low places, if not death. When I when I qualified at the meeting, Ray Ray said to me, like Ray raised her hand, and she <laughs> said to me, um, "You know, it's funny because lots there's lots of heroin addicts in here." What did she, what did she say? She said it in such a funny way. She said, uh, most people probably don't see you as a junkie, but I see you as a junkie. <laughs> it's very clear to me. You know, it's something, something along those lines, but it was very, very funny. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I remember the first day, I, I went, my first day in it, I sat across from you, Ray, in the summer uh, in the Y, and it was incredibly powerful. You know, and your sponsor told me to keep going to that meeting. And uh, and I was totally moved and so happy to go. And it was really, really meaningful to me. So thank you for that. Oh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad that you're on the road. It's so it's so much better to be on the road than in the ditch, you know, by the side of the road, yeah. you know, trying to cop. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. But uh, yeah. so happy you got on and um, we'll do it again. We'll make it longer. I didn't I, I wasn't sure if you'd really even pick up the phone, to be honest with you. Oh, that's, of course. If I, if I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. No, right on. We really, 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 really love to have you on, and we will get you on again. Thanks, Ray. Cool. You're welcome. Take care, guys. Okay, bye. 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 It was great. Told you. Yeah, it was really good. Should I play a song before we end? Um, I think you should play in the next one. Cause... No, well, the next one's in weeks. I'm doing it now. It's a two-minute song. Okay. There's somebody who wrote me an email and said they wanted to hear this song. We played right. it early on. Let's do it. Let's hear it. What's it called? Oh, it's called uh, Forever in Debt. And who sang it? Me. Oh, it's you? Yeah. This is a Dave... I played this on Dopey, and they were like, wanted to hear it. I don't know. They didn't like the version. I don't know. They want... I don't know. So oh, I'm that's it. it. So it goes, one, two, three, four. Uh, how'd it go? Okay. One, two, three, four. Forever in debt. Building standing set. I gotta start over. I know this song. One, two, three, four. Forever in debt. Building standing set. Standing in their ground to defend against the rest. We're all at odds. Don't forget your bets from the roof. I yell. You hardly break and sweat. Sabotage and no longer camouflage. It's almost in the open, so you better quit your job. Can't say it looks too good. It could be a mirage pointed at your head. I think it's time to dodge. And I haven't paid my rent, and my money's all but spent. Plan to take it over, but I haven't made a dent. I lost the folks I used to call my friends. They'll all be gone when I'm on my feet again. But sabotage is no longer camouflage. It's almost in the open, so you better quit.
Thank you. I wrote and that I in the throat. I think it was a good um, ender. It was a good ender, but I also think it was a good recording of it. Uh, whatever. I love that song. I wrote what that in years and years and years. Throws, years. like when you were active. Yeah, every song I wrote, I wrote active. There's, all, there's, it's not explicitly about drugs, but they're all about drugs. Yeah, none of them are explicitly about drugs, but, but they're all drugs. totally about. But yeah. there's addiction. Forever in debt. Yeah. You know, I remember looking at buildings, feeling. When like, you were saying forever in debt, what type of debt did you mean? I mean, I didn't have any money, and, like, I owed dealers money, yeah. and I, I couldn't pay my rent, you know, and I knew it would get better, but, you know. I was thinking maybe even a step further. Spiritual like debt? Some sort of spiritual, moral debt. Of course. Yeah. Of course. It was all <laughs> yeah. built into the same thing. But I just wanted to get I would have been upset if I didn't get the song. You should song have played yet. that in the beginning of this episode. I know. I was trying to tell you. <laughs> Actually, you really should have. I told you. <laughs> it was good. I know. I should trust you. You should trust me. That's a great way to end it. Uh, well, write I us an email. Dave. Why not? I said I should trust you. You really, you really, you hear what I'm saying now? It's yes. a good way to kick it off. What can However, I do to amend my behavior? Nothing. Tim's voicemail was even better, but it made for the most, Tim, you made for <laughs> yeah, the most dopey episode of Dopey. Oh, I know. Ever. All right, let's, let's close this out. Write us a review on iTunes. That would be great. Send us an email. Nah, follow like, us on Instagram. Nah, nah, Watch the video. <laughs> for, go to our website. Chris, you have to post that video on the website. Watch right. the video. Go, what do you, how do you watch it? You go to... Go to YouTube, type in Dopey Podcast, yeah, the works. turkey episode. episode or just type one. in Dopey Podcast. I bet it doesn't up. come up. If you just type in Dopey Podcast and click videos, it shows up. Like you sure? Google, yeah. You've seen it? Yeah. You did that? I think so. Great. Stay yeah. strong, Dopey Nation. All right. Stay strong and toodles. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. want to be so good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good so bad. Bad desire's all I ever had. And I want to take a ride up in the sky. Watch this aeroplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had